We have our next-gen pastor, Pastor Eli, who is coming this morning to bring us God's Word. Pastor Eli and Alyssa are doing an amazing work with our next-gen ministries from our youth ministry to our counterculture college ministries. We've seen some powerful life change and transformation that has been happening in those ministries. Just the focus of spending time in God's Word and being in relationship with each other using God's Word as a foundation. And so can you join me this morning in welcoming Pastor Eli as he comes to bring us God's Word. Well, good morning, everybody. All right, as Pastor Anthony said, if you have a physical Bible with you, will you raise it up? If you have a physical Bible with you, hey, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. That is better than the last time I was up here and I asked us to do the same thing. So that is growth. That is another win in 2023. Now, let's give it up for that. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm chapter 1. That's where we're going to be uh, diving in this morning. If you have your, you know, phones, go to Psalm chapter 1, because I'm letting you know now what we're reading, because there's not going to be a single scripture up on this screen. So go to Psalm chapter 1 with your phone. If you have a phone and you don't have a Bible on it, uh, go to Version. Uh, Bible app, you can go to the app store, look up YouVersion uh, Bible, um, and, and download that. Go to Psalm chapter 1, and we're going to read this morning uh, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. But I'll give you some time before we get into that. So think with me just for uh, a moment, okay? Think that you are going, um, go with me in, in, a, in a, like a story. You're walking into a store. Okay, so you're walking into a store and you see someone you know, or you're just so friendly so you talk to strangers. But let's imagine that we're in the store together and you see somebody and you walk up to them and you say, hey, how are you? And they reply, live in the dream. Any, is there anybody in here that says that? <laughs> okay. When somebody says living the dream, I say, what is the dream? Because your dreams and my dreams, they very well could be different. So I have no idea what kind of dream you are living. Or you see some, let's say you see somebody else and you go up to them and you say, hey, how are you? And they say, I'm blessed. Any, anybody in here that I'm blessed people? So when somebody says I'm blessed, I think, what makes you blessed? What makes you blessed? Is it, a, is it a loving marriage? Is it obedient children? Is it a healthy body? Is it a successful career? Is it uh, trusted friends? Is it financial abundance? What makes you blessed? You know, we talk about a lot of times, we'll say, man, God, I'm so thankful for what I have. I'm, I'm blessed because of what I have. But when we look at scripture, when we are saying I'm blessed, scripture looks at it differently. When they talk about somebody that is blessed in scripture, it is not anything that we think about. One translation of the, of the New Testament has 112 references with the words bless, blessing, or blessed. 
none of which connects blessing to material prosperity or the things that we think of when we say, I'm blessed. It's good to be thankful for everything that we do have, right? There's a reason to always be thankful. But when we look at scripture, we are not to say, I'm blessed because, oh, God has given me all this stuff. That's not why I'm blessed. Because that would mean that somebody else that has less is not blessed. But because of Christ and what scripture reveals to us, we are blessed because of him, not because of what we have. And so on the contrary to what we think, blessing in scripture is typically connected with either poverty and trial or the spiritual benefits of being joined by faith to Jesus. So it's a connection to Jesus. It's, it's saying, man, despite whatever I go through, because I have Christ, I'm blessed. When I am connected to the Father, there I am blessed. So I want to ask you this morning, do we want to be marked by what the world classifies as blessed? Or do we want to be marked by what God defines as blessed? So we're going to look at scripture this morning in Psalm chapter 1, but we want to see what does the Bible say makes a man or woman blessed? Because I'm dogging on, on what we're saying that we're blessed for, so what does scripture actually reveal to us? What does his truth tell us? And we see in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or seat or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And so this section of scripture, it contrasts two kinds of people. It contrasts, one, those that love God, and then those who defy God and reject his word. It contrasts those two kinds of people. And so when we look at scripture, when it first says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. It says the Hebrew word ashir, okay, is here translated in this section of scripture, translated to the word blessed, which has the idea of happiness or contentment. And ashir is a form of the Hebrew, Hebrew word ashar, which in its root means to be straight, or to be right, so to be straight, or to be right. And so blessed is the man speaks of happiness, the blessedness, the contentment in the life of the man or woman who is right with God. That's what it means to be blessed, to be right with God. To be right with God, to be in right standing with God is not the same as standing with God. Because we can stand with God, but to be in right standing with God, that means there's a healthy, vibrant relationship that is taking place. That means that I'm in pursuit of this God that loves me, that I'm obedient to what he calls me to. To be in right standing means that I am giving my life to him, and all of my pursuit is to honor him, and it is revealed in the way that I live my life when my relationship is is 
is committed to him, I find myself in right standing with the Lord. And this is something that is attainable for all people. Charles Spurgeon says that it is not blessed is the king, blessed is the scholar, blessed is the rich, but blessed is the man. This blessedness is as attainable by the poor, the forgotten, and the obscure as by those whose names figure in history and are trumpeted by fame. And so again, what this reveals and what, pa- or what Charles Spurgeon is saying here is that what it means to be blessed has nothing to do with our wealth or our lack thereof. It has everything to do with our standing with God, whether it is right or I'm just standing. So God invites all people to a right standing Because he doesn't just want us to be people that know of him. He wants us to be people that know him closely and are committed to him, that love him with every fiber of our being. That's what it means to be blessed, is to be in right standing with God. And so, you know, this is the holiday season, right? Tonight, well, many of us may be celebrating at midnight. Some of you may be celebrating at 8 (laughs) o'clock. Whatever, you know, whatever you can hang for, right? But it's the holiday season. We're just wrapping up Christmas. And so maybe during the holidays or maybe daily due to circumstances in your life, you look around and you don't feel blessed as the world defines it. And I'm praying that this morning that the Lord will make you aware of how supreme Extremely blessed you are because you are in right standing with him. That despite what what may be going on in your life or for all the reasons that you would say, I am not blessed, you would walk out of here one just filled up with encouragement and hope to know that because you are in right standing with God, you are not just blessed, but you are supremely blessed because you are in right standing with God. That when you have him, Man, your life is the best that it could be. It is rich beyond measure because you are in right standing with God. So don't worry about everything else. But I pray that when you leave this morning that you would be encouraged to know that the Lord loves you, sees you, and you know the God that created you, and you are close to him. So this verse, it contrasts what a blessed man does and what a blessed man does not. Because true followers of Christ can be recognized in part by what they do and what they do not do. By the places they go and the places they do not go. And the company they keep and do not keep. So a righteous man and woman, a a godly and an ungodly man and woman are different in how they think, how they behave, and to whom they belong to. So somebody that is righteous and in right standing with God and somebody that has nothing to do with God, what separates them is in how they think, how they behave, and to whom they belong. So what does a blessed man not do? That's what I want to look at first this morning because in verse 1 of Psalm chapter 1 it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. So the first thing that I look at in this section of scripture of what a blessed man does not do 
is he doesn't allow just anyone to speak into his life. He doesn't allow just anyone to speak into his life. Our minds are a chaotic mess, amen? And we do our best as Christ followers to think and be guided by what God would want for us, to know his thoughts. We do our best to listen to what God says while we also have our thoughts running through our mind and the thoughts of other people running in our minds. And many times we're seeking advice for life, right? Because nobody has this thing figured out. So we're looking for advice, whether it be through family or friends or the internet. And the problem is that many times we don't even consider if the advice that we're getting is godly or ungodly. We just take the advice for what it is, we hold on to it, and we live by it. But the problem is that for Christ followers, that is not the way that we should live our lives. We should constantly be worried about, is this what God wants for me? Is this godly advice? Is this advice that gets me closer to God? Or is it taking me away from God and the things that he would have for me? So the blessed man or woman makes sure to get counsel from God and those who get counsel from God. Now I'm not saying if you're buying a new car that, you know, you need to go to somebody that has gotten godly counsel. But it doesn't hurt, right? I mean, who knows? Maybe God has a, a specific car for you. I don't know how God works, right? God's ways are mysterious at times. But certainly in moments that affect our lives, deep decisions of our, our relationships, in the decisions that we are making of what we are to do and not to do, man, we need to think of whether or not this affects my relationship with God in a positive or negative way. If it affects it negatively, that is ungodly counsel that I do not want. So you get a lot of input and advice from people that don't know Jesus, that don't have the heart of the Father on their minds. So when they give you advice, though it may be good, it may not lead you closer to God. And we want advice that leads us closer to God. It's not saying that everybody's just not able to give us advice, but there are moments that I will allow somebody to speak you know, some advice into my life, and there are other moments where I say, hey, you know what? That's not going to be from a godly perspective. So though it may come from a good place, it's not really beneficial for me. We have to take that stand as Christ followers to be getting godly counsel. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 24, it says, your testimonies are what my delight, are also my delight and my counselors. God's word is always the best counselor. His word will always give you what you need. So when you are in need, he has what you need. So go to him and get counsel from him. Go to people that have been with him so that they could maybe give you or confirm what God is speaking to you. God uses people that are with him as a benefit to our life. The second thing I see is that he doesn't walk where he knows it's dangerous. So a blessed man doesn't walk where he knows that it's dangerous. Because we don't put ourselves into positions that we know are unwise for us to be in. Right? Because if you play with fire, you'll get 
right? We have that wisdom there. It's not wise for me to play with fire. After my freshman year in college, I needed a job to make some money so I could pay for college. So I started roofing. And I was running around on the roofs working really hard. You know, the roofs that were like, you know, this. That was easy for me to run around and work really hard and do what I needed to do. But when we got on roofs that were like this, it's like, I'm not going to run. First thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to go up there, I'm going to nail in my harness, and I'm going to hook myself up because though I'm good at running around on roofs and I know what I'm doing, I'm not about to put myself in a compromisable position to where if I slip, I'll die. A wise person doesn't do what the unwise do. James chapter 1, verses 14 to 15 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So the enemy tempts you through the desires that you already have within yourself. He tempts you to have those desires met by anything other than God. And so don't put yourself in positions to where you are simply hanging around sin because you're just making it easier for the enemy to tempt you. You know, if you have a gambling problem, the worst place for you to be would be a casino, right? A wise person doesn't do what the unwise do. We must think that if this jeopardizes my right standing with God, I will not do it, and I will not go, and I will not be around them. Whatever it takes to make sure that you don't jeopardize your right standing with God, those steps must be taken because it's not about our comfortability. It's not about getting what I want. It's about doing and being right with God. And finally, the third one that I see of what a blessed man or woman does not do is that they choose to not live in a mindset of negativity. They choose to not live in a mindset of negativity. Because when you look for everything that's wrong, you'll find it. Right? And that relates to the church when we see this section of scripture to not sit in the seat of mockers. As Christians, you and I should be the biggest supporters of the church and of God's truth. We should not sit with everybody else that wants to find problems in the church and condemn and throw shade on the church and say, I don't need the church because it's just filled with messed up people. Well, amen to that. But God established the church for us and for our benefit. So I, when everybody else is wanting to you know, dismiss the importance of the church. I'm going to be the biggest supporter. When the world wants to throw uh, the, the truth of God's word out, I'm going to stand upon God's truth because I know that God's truth is transformational, amen? That God's truth absolutely transformed my life, that I was on a path to hell and God set me free and gave me life, right? His truth did that. So as Christians, man, it may not be what you want it to say, but when it says it, it is God's truth. And we are to abide by it and not fight against the truth, but remember that the truth of God's word sets you free. 
So that very truth that maybe somebody else doesn't like is the truth that they need because it will be the truth that will set them free. And this also applies to our life in its entirety. It's not being ignorant to the problems in our world. It's not being ignorant to the problems that are in the church. But we need God's wisdom and discernment in the decisions that we are to make. But we are consumed with finding reasons to be negative. And so if you are a Christ follower this morning and you find yourself in this boat, stop living like the world, that like God is against you because God is for you. It says in Psalm chapter 100, verse 7, verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. In Psalm 118, verse 24, says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Find reasons to thank God. Find reasons to look at him when your circumstances want to just look terrible. Look at the cross. Look at Jesus. We see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So a blessed man and woman lives in awareness of the ultimate reason that we are to be thankful. That when everything else gives us reason to be negative, we will rest in our hope which is in Jesus. We will rest in our hope which is in Jesus. So then what does a blessed man do? In verse 2 it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So the first thing that we see that a blessed man does is that he delights in and hungers for God's word. He delights in and hungers for God, God's word. If someone delights in something, you don't have to make them do it. Right? I don't have to manipulate somebody to do something if they enjoy it and they love it. Right? They'll gladly do it. So you can measure your delight for God's word by how much you hunger for it. How much do you love the guidance and the direction and the correction of God's truth? How much do you love the, the opportunity to be with him and to know him, to grow and to be set however much you hunger for it reveals how much you delight in it because when we delight in something we want more of it the law of the Lord is the daily bread of the true believer as Pastor Anthony said that I need the bread of Jesus every single day in my life as a true believer we should feel a lack if we don't Spend time with Jesus every single day. Right? Have you ever left home without your phone? Isn't it like the worst feeling? You know, I always put my phone in my right pocket so it burns like an imprint of, of my phone. But there are many moments where I'm, if, I, if I don't have my phone, I'm like, 
you know, like, where, where is it? Like, it causes this, like, panic inside of us, and we're like, oh, I, I think I might have left my phone, like, at the restaurant or something. It's like, okay, it'll be there, hopefully, right? But it causes this immense panic in us. As Christians, we should get that feeling when we don't spend time with God. It should cause an issue with inside of us that says, if I don't do this, this is a problem, right? Because if I don't go get my phone from the restaurant, it's gone, and then I've got to go buy a new one. That's a problem. It should be that same way. It should burn within us when we have not spent time with Christ. Martin Luther said that he could not live in paradise without the word of God, but he could live well enough in hell with it. You know, for Christ followers, this will be the closest that we ever get to hell, is living on this earth that Christ made for us. Sometimes you may feel like you're going through hell and it's difficult. But when we have God's word and we have him, we can live well in that. We can live well when we have Christ. So then secondly, I see that a blessed man doesn't just read the word, but he desires for it to change him. He doesn't just read the word, but he desires for it to change him. The righteous man or woman ponders the word of God. They do not just hear it and forget it, but think about it. Bartholomew Ashwood says that meditation chews the cud and gets the sweetness and nutritive virtue of the word into the heart and life. This is the way the godly bring forth much fruit. And many lack because they only read and do not meditate. It is not only reading that does us good, but the soul inwardly feeding on it and digesting it is what does us good. And this is what I believe is the missing piece for many Christians in our world and in our American churches especially. Is that as Christians we are doing everything else except allowing the word of God to take deep-rooted residence in our hearts. We read the word of God, but we don't ask for it to change us. We read the word of God like a fiction book rather than understanding that when I read it, if I really allow it to penetrate my heart, it could change everything. That I could be filled with depression and anxiety and worry and I could be addicted to uh, so many things that are awful for me. But when I begin to read the word of God, it can begin to set me free when I begin to apply it to my life rather than to just read it. Because the Bible is not a self-help book. It's transformational, right? It does something in us when we allow it to speak to us. And so uh, an application piece for us when we read God's word is to ask, man, is the passage revealing a truth about God, sin, or my personal behavior? that I need to understand better with the Holy Spirit's help. Every single day that we read God's word, there is something that we need the Holy Spirit's help with because we are not finished products. So every single day that we read God's word, we should be walking away and saying, Holy Spirit, I need your help with this. Help me, Lord, today to not forget this because I don't want to remain the same today and tomorrow that I was yesterday. I want to be changed when I read your word. I don't want to simply read the word. I want it to change me. 
So in order for this to happen, I must open my heart to the instruction and correction of God's word and then think and pray on it throughout the day. Joseph Carroll says, so you may look lightly upon a scripture and see nothing. Meditate often upon it, and there you shall see a light like the light of the sun. So we will be richly blessed if we meditate upon God's word. If we allow it to take deep-rooted residence in us, we will be richly blessed. So to wrap up, to answer the question, how are the righteous blessed? Verse 3 says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So how are the, the righteous blessed? They always have what they need. They always have what they need. In Psalm chapter 23, verse one, verses 1 through 6, it says, the, in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. So when I have Christ, I don't need anything else. He is a good shepherd. It says that he, he refreshes my soul, that he, that, that, uh, that he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. He is a good shepherd and in one that we can put our trust. So when we look at a, a tree planted by a river, a tree planted by a river has a continual source of water. So therefore, it will not wither because it is getting what it needs. So God references us like a tree that is planted by a river because he is a flowing river. And there when we are planted in him, we will get everything that we will need and he will sustain us. So this morning, being rooted in Christ and receiving your source of life from him brings strength in your time of need. It brings hope in your time of need. It brings peace in your time of need. It brings joy in your time of need. So the phrase, whatever he does prospers, doesn't mean that everything in our life is going to go the way that we want it to. It doesn't mean that problems and failure will not occur, but rather that a godly person will know God's purposes, experience his presence, receive his peace, and accomplish God's plans for his or her life in a way that brings glory to God. So in the life of a righteous man or woman, in the midst of difficulty and, and, and struggle and, and circumstances that you don't want, God brings something good and wonderful out of everything. So in all God's kingdom, in all things, God's kingdom will prosper when you and I are faithful to him. Because the visible fruit of God will be visible to other people. When I am committed and faithful to Christ, it produces a fruit in all seasons. Because when I am planted in him, in the midst of difficulty, God is doing something in me. And then as he's doing something in me, it's changing me, working me. And, and all of a sudden, people that maybe don't know Christ see more of Christ in me. And the visible fruit of God prospers the kingdom of God. 
In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So when we are abiding in a life source, fruit just naturally grows on our tree. And so no matter what happens, when I am planted in Christ, when I am rooted in him, I am blessed. So what ultimately makes a man or woman blessed is their right standing with God. And I've said it before, don't equate your material blessings with right standing with God. But when you are in right standing with God, you will experience his presence. You will experience his peace. You will experience his strength. You will experience his hope. You will experience his wisdom and his guidance. So for you and I this morning, if we say that we love God, we must plant ourselves in him and allow his word to take deep root in our hearts. If we say that we love him, we must do that. It's not a question of what God's word wants of us. It's a command to us to allow his word in. He says that he stands at our door and he knocks. He wants us to open the door to come in and take deep residence in our hearts, in our lives. Not to stand on the outside of the door and say, God, I attend church and I do this, but I'm not letting you in. To say, God, I'm, I'm open to your correction, to your direction, your guidance, to everything that you have for me. Lord, I welcome it. Because when I have you and you're with me, I'm blessed. Would you stand this morning? In 2 Corinthians, you know what? If you have kids in here, if they didn't fall asleep because I'm boring, they were amazing. Amazing. We love having kids with us. Parents, we believe that you should be the spiritual heroes of your kids' life. That they should see you exemplify everything of what it means to love Christ. Because you are their first and most important example. It is not your pastors. It is you. Christ puts you in that place because he believes in you. So lead your home confidently because God has prepared you and anointed you to do so. So we love having kids with us. The most formational times in my life, you know, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. But I learned the heart of tithing so small because my father despite all his faults showed me something so parents everything that you're doing for God the way that you worship the way that you are engaged it's revealing something to your kids that you may not realize sticks with 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake, so that by his poverty we become rich beyond measure. 
today, I want to give you the opportunity to become rich beyond measure if you have not accepted Jesus into your heart before. Or maybe you've been living a life away from God. The Lord invites you to live a life that is rich beyond measure by being with Him, by being richly blessed because you are right standing with Him. So I'm going to invite everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. And if you would say, Pastor Eli, that's me this morning. I want to choose Jesus. I want to commit my life to Him. I want to begin following Him and growing in a relationship with Him. Then as we all pray this prayer together, I want you to pray it to God. So everybody just repeat after me in support of those who may be praying this for the first time and receiving Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I choose you. I give you my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. I commit to this relationship, not just in this moment, but forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. So if you chose Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you before the end of service, which is going to be in one minute, to take a U card fill that out and take that to our next steps booth just saying hey I've dedicated my life to Jesus so that a pastor can connect with me or if you want to go this route if you would text this number which is 620-704-3903 and just say that you accepted Jesus today because we want to get the resources in your hands so that you can grow relationship with Jesus so you can take those next steps and continue to experience the life that is rich beyond measure. Let me pray over you and then we'll get you out of here for the rest of the day, the rest of your day. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, your faithfulness, your love. God, thank you for sending your son to die in our place. God, thank you for choosing us. Though we are not good people, God, though, though we do not deserve the price that you paid for us, thank you for choosing us. Thank you for seeing us as the people that you created us, Lord, though we are filled with sin. God, thank you for looking upon us and seeing through all of our dirt, God, and wanting to renew us and refresh us and restore our spirits. God, I pray that you would in, in invite, and I know that you are, invite every person to a greater hunger and delight in your word, a greater hunger and delight for you. Jesus, we desire more of you. That, that song that we sang earlier says, I'm desperate for you and I'm lost without you. God, that's what we declare this morning. God, we want more of you. And Lord, if we don't have you, we are truly lost. We are living in darkness, but you are the light. So we celebrate those that chose you this morning thank you for life restoration. We thank you for freedom and your goodness. God, we thank you that in you, we are richly blessed beyond measure, that it has nothing to do this with this world, but it has everything to do with our relationship with you. God, thank you so much for your freedom and your joy. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys have an amazing rest of your Sunday. If you happen to be somebody that has the ability to hang around, 
for a few moments. We're going to clean up our decorations from the Christmas and holiday season. If you're able to do that, you can come up to the front. Pastor Anthony and a few others will give you direction. 